early days of the American frontier, people relied on steam engines to transport them through wild landscapes to spectacular new places. In this current era, we have something that allows for an even greater adventure, the search engine. So make sure you grab your ticket because we are going on a first class ride across the web. Well, welcome, everybody, to a special episode of What's Going On, the podcast that makes you wonder about things you've never wondered about. Oh, you went high on the last part. I thought it was going to be, oh. I don't know, you, you spiced it up. <laughs> yeah, spiced it up in the first time. We've, we've probably sang that little jingle probably about 30 times trying to get it right. Because I can't remember to say the just our normal slogan. So I think trying to sing it might help us remember a little bit and i went real high on it you're gonna see a different type of jingle every single week now folks and i hope at some point throughout your daily commutes that jingle pops up in your noggin just like so many are stuck in ours (laughs) (laughs) wait you're saying there's gonna be a new one every time doesn't that defeat the purpose of a jingle no, no, no. It's going to be like the same jingle. It's going to be the same thing, the same like beats, but you could do different pitches. Yeah. Again, doesn't that defeat the purpose of a jingle? <laughs> I think if I heard a jingle in different pitches, I still would get it as long as like the same beat and same rhythm. Like even mm. if you went low, like the podcast that makes you wonder about things you never wondered about. Yeah, I guess if you have the same timing. Yeah, okay. yeah. Timing, beat, rhythm. All of that, but you could just change the pitch. Maybe you could go low and then high. The podcast? The ma- <laughs> <laughs> just like that, right? Let us know That's what, what you I'm guys do next. There it is. There, you're going low and high, or low high, or yeah. high low. You get to choose. I'm going to mix it up. Yeah, high and low. Oh, my God. Let us know what you guys think of the of the jingle here. You can write us in. You know the email. It's at the end. We're trying to infect your minds right yeah. now. We're trying is it working? To, yeah, are we infectious? Can you not stop singing right now? It's just been ringing and ringing and ringing. <laughs> We're going to make it into a downloadable ringtone. Oh, I I put that on my phone. Boom. There it is. That might be a bit obnoxious. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make it like a regular ringtone for you guys. That way it's not too crazy. Or maybe we'll make a crazy one specifically because you want it. It's up to you. Let us know. <laughs> but what is this episode, Patrick? It's round two of Phrases and Sayings. But to celebrate our new jingle, we're also adding in jingles. <laughs> jingles. I did not write that many jingles down. Did you write some jingles down, Patrick? I actually got a decent amount. Dang. And we talked about a few while we were together last. I know. We just kind of had them spitting off, and they were all local jingles. Local which, jing. if you're not uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, you might not know, but... <laughs> It's fun to hear how random jingles stick in your mind, even though you haven't heard them in years. A hundred percent. Do we want to start off with some of our favorite jingles? I think that'd be a good place to start off. Beautiful. Do you want to go local or are we doing it just generic? We could start local and then expand. All right. You want to hit us up with your favorite local jingle? I think it's got to be Zimbrick Fish Hatchery Road. (laughs) Which is the most basic <laughs> jingle ever. It's literally just the name of the company and where it is. Wait, but you ready I for it? it? I got another one that does the exact same thing. Chalmers Jewelers <laughs> in Middleton. I couldn't remember that one. I knew there was another jewelry one, but I couldn't remember what it was. I don't know if the bow is after that or a different one, though. I didn't remember. I don't think, I don't remember that part. 
I don't remember. It might have been a car one. It might have been the Zimbrick one. But either way, those are some pretty good jingles. And if you guys have some good local jingles as well, we want to hear them. We'll sing them on the pod for you next. Uh, yeah, on part three fun. of phrases. I would really enjoy that. All right, so what about <laughs> what about generic ones? What uh, what other ones do you have? I think my favorite one is the best part of waking up is folders oh, in, in your, your cup. cup. That That's a good, a good one. one. You ready for it? It's simple, but it gets to the point. We have the meat. <laughs> oh, I should have known that was yours. <laughs> a lot of mine are all food is what I've really realized. Like almost every single one of mine is food related. The food related jingles are just the best. Yeah, opinion. most of mine are as well. Yeah. The snack that smiles back. Go fish. Oh, solid. I didn't have that one. Solid, solid work right there. Give me a break. Give me a break of that Kit Kat bar. <laughs> That's a long one. <laughs> Honestly, I'm rating that only a, like a five out of ten on the jingle. Oh, y- you didn't have me. You ready for this one? This will this will be a throwback. Was it two breaks? I don't remember. Is it give me a break? Give me a break. Give me a break of that Kit Kat bar. I don't remember. Maybe it's not that. I think kippy. it's three. I think it's three. But oh man, I messed they it up. They stretched then. it out too long. That's why it didn't catch you. Ah, uh, now I'm pissed. <laughs> five dollar, five dollar foot long. Oh man, I had that one. I should should have known you would have had that too. <laughs> that was a, a good one. one though. That's a great one. Uh, top tier, ten out of ten. It's so sad that it's gone though. It's I know dead. Subway. Why? Why is like the cheapest foot long seven fifty now? Come on. At least. I feel like it's more than that. I don't know. With tax, $8. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> we went from a $5 foot long to eight buckaroons? Come on. Inflation. Now I'm pissed. What if they What if they came back with the jingle and I was like, $8. $8 foot long. They just kept doing it. They just it. keep raising it every year. <laughs> In 10 years, it's like $20, $20 foot long. They, I think <laughs> just, they just get louder and louder, and it just gets better and better. They got my business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. See, what? another one I had. Clap on. Clap off. <laughs> well, I don't know that one. No, that was from the the clap on lights or whatever. Really, I I don't know that one. I'm I'm sad. I wish I did. Oh know man, that you one. didn't watch enough infomercials at like 3 a.m. Yeah, I messed up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't really remember what this is for. I think it's oil, but now that's thinking with your dipstick, Jimmy. <laughs> I don't no, know if that's really yeah. a, a huge slogan by any or jingle, but I I enjoyed the commercial for sure. Do you have any other that's non-food related? Oh, let's see. Ricola. I mean, it's not technically food, I don't think. It's like a medicine. Yeah, yeah. I I remember them just singing, Ricola, but I don't know what it's for. Just a medicine? It's like a throat lozenge, I'm pretty sure. Oh, God. Huh. Strange. Every other one I have is cereal. The only other one I have now is uh oh spaghettios. Oh, what a classic, dude! That's amazing. No, I got. Uh, I'll just list off the cereal ones. We got uh, tricks are for kids. They're great. Cookie crisps. Cuckoo for cocoa puffs, and they're magically delicious. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I just you got them one. all. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones though. I don't. Is there any other big cereal ones that I missed? I don't think so. Do like Fruity Pebbles have one? 
or no i don't know a cheerios one either all i can think of is that honey like rod thing dunking the honey into the cheerios but i don't know if they have a slogan for that lowers <laughs> cholesterol that's all i remember part of a healthy breakfast <laughs> all right well that's our fun little jingles i've said it a million times but please if we missed any or anything write us in we'll sing it for you no if ands buts about it if and or buts about it i think i messed that up you know me and phrases can't is do that it. the first saying that you're coming up with if and or buts about it oh good segue but i didn't write it down we could look into it though if and or buts about it i don't know if that's really going to be what's the origin of this i don't think it's going to have a story no oh what the hell do you know what Wheaties saying was <laughs> i don't know no i don't either i'm just reading that on christmas eve of 1926 they aired the first commercial jingle which introduced their famous tagline but i don't know what it is they're shredded get shredded my guy i'm trying to think i have no idea as to what Wheaties could be i don't think i've ever heard of it I mean, you weren't around in the 20s to hear it? I guess not, sadly. <laughs> it's, have you tried Wheaties? They're whole with all the bran. Won't you try Wheaties? <laughs> I don't know why that never caught on. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more, there's more. For wheat is the best food for man. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. That's catchy. Wheat, I, what is it again? One more time. For wheat have is you the tried best food Wheaties? for man. They're whole with all the brand. I can't even get it when I'm reading it. Won't you try Wheaties? For wheat is the best food of man. There you go. I hope you get Catch that it. stuck in your guys' mind tonight. Oh, we missed the McDonald's one, too. Oh, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. it. Burger King, have it your way. Another solid one. <laughs> Simple, to the point. Is Not that a jingle, to... though, or just a saying? I think it might just be a saying. Yeah, you're right. We're just talking about jingles here. I don't know. I can't think of any other jingles, sadly. I think we hit most of the, we hit the, the bangers of our day. We hit the important ones, honestly. We hit all of them worth their salt, which is my first saying. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard that? <laughs> worth their salt? Yeah, worth one salt? No. But I also don't know a lot of sayings or anything like that. So I'm, I'm pretty, that, a lot of that stuff goes over my head. Another saying. Boom. It basically just means someone who knows what they're talking about in their field. Usually, like, any mechanic worth their salt knows this and that about a car. So I guess this comes from the Latin word salarium, which, uh, thank you for putting an ad up right as I'm reading some of this, (laughs) which means (laughs) salt money, and that was paid to Roman soldiers back in the day. And so basically, someone who does a good job is worth their salt or their payment. Their salt money? They got paid in salt money? I think that was apparently, yeah, a form of currency back in the day, I guess. Side note, we're looking that up. What is salt money? Wait, it means salt money. Solarium was the money paid to Roman soldiers that they used to purchase salt and other essentials. Oh, so maybe it's just... Oh, it's just a weird definition of salary? Yeah, it says the word salary stems from the Latin word salarium, meaning salt money. Ah, so I think okay. salt money was a weird term for salary back in the day. But I don't, I don't understand. So yeah, that, that's the salt meaning behind worth your salt is being worth what you're actually paid. 
And then it's also very similar to Worth One's weight in gold, which was another currency back then. Being in over your head actually is a reference to sometime during the 1600s where few average Europeans could actually swim during this period. And so being in water deeper than one's head was actually some pretty serious trouble. So if you're in over your head, that was a pretty bad thing to be in. I wonder how it transitioned to like something just going over your head. You know, like you kind of like, oh, whoops. I mean, it kind of makes sense that it would just slowly like transition to what it means today. But drowning. I mean, being in over your head is drowning also a in thing, something. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I think going over your head and being in over your head are two different things, though. Going over your head? Really? Yeah, because people talk about being in over your head often when you're, like, taking on more responsibility than you can really handle. Yeah. See, when I look up the over your head, though, it says in over your head is, like, the only phrase that it stems from. So I don't know if it kind of split into Mm. two different definitions, but it keeps bringing me back to a lot of people drowning. So I had, the next one was the early bird gets the worm, which is basically just being an early riser and being prepared can help you out in life. And that stems from the first recorded instance in 1670 in a collection of English proverbs by John Ray. And although that is the first written record, it seems to have been a well-known phrase at that time because it was actually considered a proverb. I'm also still stuck on your old phrase, worth his salt. I did a little bit more digging, and it looks like there was actually a time period where salt was worth currency, because there's different types of salt, like the white kind that we're used to that's used for seasoning, but there was also black salt that tended to be thicker, obviously black in color, and wasn't really used in a lot of like consumption manners. And they were basically like pressed down into these like paste and then dried into cakes. And then certain cultures used chunks of this like salt bar as actual currency. I don't know how they oh. provided value to the salt bars. I, I was having a hard time looking at that for like an exchange rate or anything. But I mean, as long as everyone considers it currency, then it's currency. I mean, yeah. we just pass around pieces of paper with numbers on it and say, yeah. oh, thank you. <laughs> exactly. So I guess the black bars of salt were actually used as currency. And that's another added meaning to the phrase worth of salt, because actually the salt was currency. Ah. So very strange. I feel like I've also heard that there are some cultures that use shells or other things like that as currencies. It'd be interesting to see how uh, that's transitioned over time, but maybe a different episode. Just trying to find some of the weirdest currencies in the world? No, that'd be really fun. I would definitely like that. We should definitely write that down. What's the next one you're looking up right now? Cool as a cucumber. Oh, the one I'm currently looking up is the Clean Plate Club. Oh, that's a good one. So this is derived from... The cool attributes of a cucumber, because they <laughs> always feel cool and fresh, even in hot conditions. I I feel like that's true. Really? I've, you've never, like, maybe. Let, like, I mean, like, I, maybe it comes from the fridge a lot, but if you let a cucumber sit in the sun for a while, I don't think yeah, it's Yeah, I was just cold. thinking that. Like, yeah, I don't pick up a cucumber at the grocery store and go, oh, wow, how chilly. <laughs> oh, okay. I could have... Honestly, maybe have guessed the origin of this one. Can you just think about our history and then think about the Clean Plate Club? What do you think could have caused that to be a saying? 
I'm guessing it's just because a lot of times people didn't have a lot of food to go around, so they always wanted to encourage their kids to finish all their food and not waste it. Is there any specific time you think there might be a shortage? Yeah, probably the Great Depression and all that would be my guess. Yeah. Or World War II. Boom! Fucking nailed it on the head. Harry Truman called upon Americans to curb waste in order to help send food to the starving post-war populace of Europe. So hundreds of elementary schools promptly formed the clean plate clubs and taught children that finishing one's fish sticks was actually a patriotic duty. Because you didn't want to be that crappy American who didn't finish their food and made the poor <laughs> soldier starve. You idiot first grader. <laughs> That's pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. I think that patriotic duty falls proudly on my chest almost every single day. Honestly, being a part of the Clean Plate Club is not only an is honor, a badge of honor, but a gift. And I am super thankful to be able to have that option to be on the Clean Plate Club. Yes, it is a badge of honor to be part of the Clean Plate Club, that is for sure. <laughs> I probably wear that badge at every meal. You're damn straight. I have a little bit more about cold as a cucumber. Apparently, sure. this has been a thing for a very long time. And okay. in 1732, John Gay had the first written instance of this, writing, I, cool as a cucumber, could see the rest of womankind. And I don't know, that just related to the inside of cucumbers being very cool. See, I don't, I don't know. know. That's so weird, because when I think of cucumbers, I don't think of cool, honestly. On the inside, though, I can maybe see it a little more, now that they mention inside particularly. I mean, inside of most things that are covered, I feel like are cool. Like, watermelon's Probably. pretty cold. A grape is cold. Hey, hey, hey. It's, a strawberry is it can cold. only be one. Why cucumber? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Cool as a, let's make it a better one. Cool as a, see if you shorten cucumber to cuck though. Cool as a cuck, that's pretty nice. Or just cumber. Cool as a cumber. Coconut. Cool cumber. Cool cum. Oh, scratch that. (laughs) What's other seafood? I can't even think. Oh, the double entendres right now are are popping. I can't think of any seafood. Cool as a cantaloupe. Cantaloupe's good. It's too long though. Also cold. Cool as cuckoos. Couscous. Cool as candy. Cool as condiments. Cool as corn. Nah, corn's hot. Cool as cream corn. Oh, cool as cream. I got one here. The grass is always greener on the other side. That's good. And this is speculated to come from the habit that people notice that cattle like to graze through the fence into an adjacent field, even though (laughs) they have a pasture of their own, or escaping into another pasture through a fence to eat the new grass. Those dirty dogs always eating other people's grass. I feel like it's pretty true in life in general, though, too. I feel like people always idealize other people's stuff more than their own experience. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people struggle to be appreciative of the little things that they have. And so it always looks, I don't know. And then when someone else gets something fresh and shiny and they see it like excitement in their eyes and stuff, and then everyone's like, oh, my God, I want that excitement or that happiness. And they just don't attribute it to more of an internal reflection. We're getting deep on this pod. Yeah. (laughs) Well... No longer deep. New phrase. Oh. Third time's the charm. Bada ping, bada boom. Pretty good one that I use a decent amount. It's hard to pinpoint the origin of this one. There's a lot of, I don't know about controversy, but there's a lot of people saying that there's a lot of different origin stories there. Have you also heard the phrase, three's a crowd? 
I have. Or Three's Company. Boom. Yeah, there's a lot of three things, and I don't really understand why that's a a pretty common number to see popping up. There's a lot of different examples from famous authors talking about the number three a whole lot. There's the Holy Trinity. And then another source that I actually really like this story a lot is back in the day from old English law, there was a rule that if anyone could survive three separate hangings, they would be set free. What? (laughs) And this law comes from a story of John Lee or Babacombe is his nickname, I guess, who was convicted of murder. And he was sentenced to hang at Exeter Prison, but all three attempts to hang him failed, and he was actually set free due to this law. Wow. So I don't know if that means the rope break or the system broke or what actually caused Probably. it to fail. Probably. They should call him, like, Steel Neck or something. Yeah, yeah, Iron Neck, something wild. And so third time's the charm. I'm going to say that's the origin because I like that, my favorite story out of all of them. <laughs> Otherwise, it's other, like, religious beliefs. Other slogans, try, try, and try again. I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah. I mean, it's similar to one Japanese phrase, which is fall seven times, stand up eight. I want to know more about this John Lee character. I'm interested. Yeah, I wonder what he did afterwards. You think he turned his life around? No, definitely not. No? I don't know. Maybe he did. Oh, God. I don't want to tell you what he did for the murder, though. Oh, jeez. He was not a good man. He looks like he works as a teller at a bank, though. He's got that kind of face. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Just look him up and then tell me what you think his occupation would be. (laughs) What was his name again? John Babacombe Lee. Just type in John Lee, guy who can't be hung, and he'll pop up. I don't know. I see him in a suit and all that. (laughs) Yeah, bank teller back in the day. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about bank teller. I'm thinking... I don't know, maybe early stockbroker, like he's going to give me a hot stock tip? I guess. It's still (laughs) bank related. He does banking at least. We can. He's a financial professional. There it is. Financial advisor, actually. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so it looks like, it was basically what we called, rope didn't withstand the fall one time, the part of like where the floor drops down didn't actually drop down before even though they tested it literally like five minutes before god how scary would that be three separate occasions you're going for your hanging and then something just happens like oh thank god we're like nope we got two more (laughs) times buddy sorry (laughs) absolutely wild yeah that third one might be exciting though knowing that you might get off if it somehow happens again (laughs) yeah fingers crossed do you think he was rigging it he could have been rigging the system that's what i was thinking he might have known someone they gave him a bad rope it's all those financial tips that he was giving out those days (laughs) (laughs) couldn't lose those (laughs) it saved him yeah he's the best financial advisor out in the west (laughs) what's your next saying so my next one is going to be tickle my fancy oh that's good wow what so I think you were the one I was talking to about this, but when I was a young boy, I remember every time I was with my father and we got home, he would sing this little jingle. Oh, yeah. I had never heard it. Yeah, he would say, home again, home again, jiggity jig, home again, home again, jiggity jog. The jog one was every now and again. But I, I was like, where the heck did he hear that from? And I thought maybe it was just something my dad liked to say. Which I kind of liked if that was the case. But then our friend Ellie, who lives out in Seattle, we were just with her and she said it. And I was like, whoa, where did you hear that from? And apparently her mom used to sing that. So now, upon further investigation, 
These are actually lyrics to a nursery rhyme that has an origin from 1805. And it's basically... Your dad's older than I thought. Yeah, I did. (laughs) And it's a nursery rhyme about going to the market. It goes, to market, to market, to buy a fat hen, home again, home again, jiggity jig. To market, to market, to buy a fat hog, home again, home again, jiggity jog. Oh, weird. I know. It kind of just like continues with more little like rhymes and sayings like that. Other variations that have been said is to market, to market, to buy a fat pig, home with it, home with it, jiggity jig. So there's a bunch of fun little like versions that I, I think, honestly, just little nursery rhymes got passed down all the way to our current age. If you think about that, though, that's insane. We're singing a song that was written in 1805, at least part of it. That's pretty wild. I mean, I think a lot of them are. Wasn't Ring Around the Rosie about the Black Plague? That yeah. happened a long time ago. We're talking about some, when it was some major throwbacks. We're talking about first-time bangers, dude. If the radio was out First there. jingles? <laughs> We're talking about the origin of jingles, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely bonkers, though. And apparently this nursery rhyme has been hosted in various TV episodes from the show MASH, uh, Sex in the City. I wonder if there's anything else that comes with it besides just a nursery rhyme. Oh, my God. I found an MP3 with the whole song. Do I dare play it? Sure. I want to hear the tones they throw on that. Maybe we could get some inspiration for the podcast. All right. Here it is. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this was a. Now I'm pissed. I think this is another podcast. Let's talking about it. They lied to me. <laughs> I thought I was about to get. I a feel song. like I've heard that podcast before. Away with words. I don't know. Shout what it out. Is. We're giving you free ads. We didn't even know. We thought I thought you was about to hear a whole song. Unfortunately, to tickle one's fancy is just a common saying that's been around since very long ago. It started in the. It looks like first instance. 1660s and it's just a weird way to say piqued one's interest that's a little disappointing i was hoping for a little more about tickling yeah i mean the whole thing i'm geeking out about is literally a children's poem about buying a fat pig so nothing too crazy i don't know that's pretty interesting (laughs) the fattest of hogs jiggity jog you know what i'm saying speaking of animals patrick you said one that absolutely blew my balls off big hat no cattle (laughs) <laughs> i've never heard of that do you know where you've heard of that or like where when you started saying oh, that man. or i think i heard of it on a podcast it was one of the people who are in texas now it was either like tim ferris or joe rogan or something like that okay. and i think that's just like a common southern saying in texas and i heard it and i thought it was hilarious so i feel like i started saying it every once in a while i like it i absolutely loved it oh wow it says 10 things only people from texas say it was the first thing that popped up Oh, it's not big hat. It's all hat, no cattle. Oh, no. Oh, it also says, or alternately, big hat, no cattle. Which one is it? Oh, there we go. Come on. Now I'm getting pissed. Trying to figure out the meaning, but I keep just seeing things that Texas people say. (laughs) (laughs) It basically just means you're all talk, but you have nothing to back it up. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to find where the first, like, instance of when this was actually, like, said or used. There's newspaper articles from the 1930s, actually, not from Texas, but from Oklahoma. No. Where uh, they mentioned Big Hat No Cattle, saying that this one individual- So they stole it. Uh Uh-oh. 
try to claim as their own. Oh, Oklahomians are messing up, my guy. Something interesting I did find was <laughs> a debate between John McCain and George W. Bush talking about Bush's proposed tax cuts and the lack of funding for Social Security, but McCain didn't believe in Bush's $483 billion tax cut and said that it was too big and favored the wealthy. And in the end, McCain, in public, said that the plan was all hat and no cattle. So we got to... We got... <laughs> Good way to throw some sass at there somebody. There we go. There we go. McCain coming I think that should strong. be a more common phrase. Yeah, I'm, I really like it. I'm a big fan, honestly. I'm a very big fan. <laughs> oh my god so what do you think the best invention of modern time is best invention of modern time the internet okay Uh, that that was too recent but i'm trying to get at my next saying which is the best thing since sliced bread oh damn (laughs) sorry i took it very literally (laughs) no yeah modern time probably wasn't the best raising (laughs) but i just think that's so interesting is sliced bread really that great of a invention to i guess have everything be compared to that come on man no crumbs you don't have to do anything you reach in you grab it you're not grabbing a whole loaf instant you don't have to get a special knife for your bread exactly exactly i will say comes out nice and even not gonna lie cutting a loaf kind of hard you don't yeah. you don't want to squish it too you much. always squish yeah, it yeah i know you, you always, always fucking squish it but you don't want to and it's rough it's hard even with the special bread knife like i don't even have a bread knife so that's why i always squish boom it. i mean i'm pretty sure the like bundle of knives that i got was something that i got from like costco for 20 bucks so the bread knife is not superb I always squish the loaf, and it's a problem. Are you calling out Costco? I'm calling out Costco. I'm calling out Cutco. I'm calling out all knives in general. I'm pissed. I don't know. I've heard Cutco's got some good knives. There it is. Cutco sponsored us. We'll talk about you every episode, all right? Give us a good <laughs> bread go. knife. Give us a we good bread knife. We should start selling knives through the pod. <laughs> Welcome to What's Going On, where we're cutting the bullshit and we're speaking truly facts. <laughs> sponsored by Cutco. <laughs> So what's the, what's the sliced bread thing all about? Okay. Oh, my God. So I guess sliced bread was a big improvement in the baking industry. And then after that, many other improvements were made in comparison to that improvement, which was one advertisement for golden toast thick and thin, which was... The carefully blended ingredients, the skill in baking, they haven't changed one iota. We've merely added the first improvement since sliced bread. And then thick and thin slices in the same loaf. Oh, thick and So thin. it's just changing up how they slice bread. And then yeah, I guess right. that's progressively Booyah. just gone on. Doesn't get any better than that. Best invention. Oh, there's another one from Tampa. Shout out. Uh-oh. Local. In 1934, they had from Bell Bakeries, they announced that they had new Bell Vitamin B white loaf with green and red wrapper that will be plainly dated for freshness. And this is the most progressive step that has been taken in the baking industry since sliced bread was introduced. There you go. So putting your dated freshness on there is the next big step. (laughs) That's the best thing. Added to slice spread. The next phrase that I have is writing shotgun, one that we've all called out and hopefully have honored. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut what I'm talking about real quick. I'm interjecting. 
Have you ever dishonored a shotgun? If you dishonor a shotgun, you are a garbage person. I feel like if anyone would... I think it would be you, though. No, I th- no, no, I don't know. no, 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 no. I, I could honor, see you standing by the door and I laughing. I honor the shotgun. Not even honoring it. Maybe if I'm intoxicated, uh, I'm not going to lie. An intoxicated okay, I could definitely see that. might see dishonoring the shotgun call. But I know back in the day, early college days, there's many a times where you run into the car and someone just simply calls out the shoddy, and they get it. It hurts you inside. Yeah. You wanted the shoddy. You were running towards the you car. You got to be able to see it, though. Yeah, you have to. You no, got to no, be no. able to see the Rule car. Rule number one, have to see the car before you call the shoddy. Rule number two, if you're touching the car before someone calls shoddy, you can override. That's what I've said. We had oh. that in our group. If you can make okay. it to the car before someone calls shoddy, you're already touching it. You're already there, babe. You get the shot. You put in the yeah. effort. You put in the work. You're too late. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. Can't call the shot late. Also, you have to have an eyewitness or an ear witness, mind you. You can't call shoddy when no one's around. That's true. If a tree falls in the forest, it doesn't really make a sound. Bada bing, bada boom. That's a phrase. We should look it up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is that a saying? Uh, 100%. I, I couldn't think of anything more of a saying right there. Probably some weird philosopher, though, that said it in some speech, and people people's minds were blown. And that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Started Something in. like the sound of one hand clapping. Boom. But yeah, back to riding shotgun after our little tangent there. There's a lot of ideas of where the origin came from. A lot of the ideas are from Wild West stagecoaches, where one individual was obviously manning the horses and kind of like, you know, leading them. And then the person that sat in the stagecoach was used as protection. And the most common gun back in the day would have been a shotgun. So the seat was called the shotgun seat, but there's actual no evidence. Of this, besides a reference, what? wait, 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 besides a reference, in a 1939 classic film called Stagecoach, where an actor okay. said, You boys take care of the office for a couple of days. I'm going to Lordsburg with Buck. I'm going to ride shotgun. And in that, he's basically doing the exact same thing that I described, where he said Buck was going to be actually manning the horses and that he was going to hop on and ride shotgun, which meant he was going to be manning the gun. So, there is a reference to that actual story, which makes sense. But they were talking about fighting off Native American Indians, and they were portrayed as bad guys in the film and whatnot. So, fun stuff So, question. If you have a shotgun, do you get automatic shotgun? If you got the shoddy ready, and it's loaded (laughs) and cleaned, you get to ride the shotgun. 100%. If it's your shotgun. All right. If you've had a few to drink and you want to pass it, I you gotta be on the lookout. Yeah, you can't. I don't even know if you can have a few to drink when you're riding shoddy. You gotta be. Well, no, no. You gotta, you gotta be, be alert focused. and ready. Yeah, you're you're the only you're the man of defense right there. You got 360 parameter. You gotta be protecting. I don't know about 360. You point the shotgun the wrong way, you're gonna shoot the driver. <laughs> you just gotta stand up, big dog, while riding. You gotta be. That's why you can't be tipsy. <laughs> like, peek out the window. Yeah, yeah. Peek out the window, but you really just grab your neighbor's neck and push him down before you to the right. So, I guess I was thinking shoddy is the left seat, not the right seat. Strange. Where's Wait, shoddy? what? Shotgun's the right seat. I was thinking in a stagecoach. It's I a was... passenger. Oh. I know. Okay. I, I, I think I saw a picture of this, yeah, where the rider was on the right. Or the, what the hell are you called? What What are you called when you're the, the guy in charge of the horses? The, not rider. The know. director. <laughs> the, the. I don't think it's jockey. The I man don't know. with the master plan controller i don't know sure i don't know whatever that is i've had already too many i wouldn't qualify as a shotgun 
right now. No, no. I know. So does that mean no one gets shotgun? No one gets if shotgun. If you're not alert enough? <laughs> We're both in charge of the horses. <laughs> I need you focused. <laughs> oh, my God. Shotgun. That's a good one, though. When's the last time you called shoddy? Do you even know? Uh, I usually don't care too much, honestly. I know. You're riding shoddy in the back. When other people start calling it, then I make sure to call it just to piss them off. There it is. You got to call it after. But <laughs> no, like if some other point we get into the car during that day, I make sure to call it so they don't get it all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't let them have the satisfaction of being shotgun. Because then they all get day. full of their heads, dude. Then they think yeah, they're exactly. the shotty out. There. Then they're not going to be a good shotgun. Yeah. What if they're a bad shotgun? What if they're a bad shot? Oh, true. In the gun seat, it's a problem. <laughs> We're in danger right now. Putting our lives in danger. <laughs> Well, speaking of shoddies and the road, why don't we take one for the road? The phrase on a search down the Google Highway. One for the road. I know we've talked about one for the road many times back in the day. When's the last time you've taken one for the road? I don't know. I feel like if there are snacks available, I always take one for the road. Oh, I was thinking about drinks, not snacks. But I I I knew you were thinking about that. (laughs) But I feel like one for the road is just anything that you're consuming. Yeah, you're right. One for the road. road. Slice of pizza. That's a good road. A roadie sly. It is. You have any recent one for the roads? No. I haven't taken one for the road in a long time. It sounds nice, though. I don't know why one for the road is just so quaint. It's so elegant. It's so perfect. One for the road is better than one normally. You know what I'm saying? The road somewhere. The road enhances the flavor. Yeah. (laughs) But it, it, it increases the quality of the trip, if you will. And now Google's taking 84 years to be able to to load, and I'm getting pissed. Do you have any other phrases? I'm currently looking up, pardon my French. <laughs> it's just some guy who never spoke French well, and so he always had to say that. No, but it's always about swearing, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. All French words sound like cuss words back in the day. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is French is supposed to be like a romantic... No, it's a dirty, filthy, nasty little language. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that like rough or anything i don't know that is pretty smooth i will say so this stems all the way back i guess it's just a long hatred of the french by english speakers dating back to 1066 when the english were under william the conqueror's command and then in 1337 during the hundred years war between france and england There was a bit more hatred between the two countries. And then, I guess, a dislike of anything became used as French, as an adjective to describe something as vulgar, lewd, or crass during the time. And then (laughs) some examples being some (laughs) sexually transmitted diseases, like syphilis, were called French pox. French pox. And erotica was considered French novels. Oh. So I guess that just stemmed from people not liking French people. I guess. Wow. That's not very kind. No. Maybe you'll think twice about saying that then. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I I enjoy the French language. It sounds very nice. It is a beautiful language. C'est formidable. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I didn't know you were fluent. I know. Was that sexy or what, dude? (laughs) No, very nice language. I do appreciate it. I've never studied, but I would love to hear more of it. So send us in uh, (laughs) you just talking in French, and we'll try and translate it for you with no expertise whatsoever. 
Uh, Patrick, I've studied yeah. for like six years. I have a little bit of experience. Well, you'll you'll I'll guess what I think they're saying, and then you can say it afterwards. How about that? that okay, that I nice. still probably won't remember. There we it's go. It's been a while. That'll be a good time. Well, one for the road is like many phrases where it's kind of hard to distinguish quite exactly where back in the day the origin came from, but a pretty heavily suggested idea was this phrase derived from the practice of offering condemned felons a final drink at a pub on the way to the place of public execution in London. So a lot of times before they get hung, they're like, here, you want a final drink, one for the road, stairway to heaven, a.k.a. you're about to die. Here's the last final peace offering, no matter how much of a garbage human you were. So kind of nice. And then also another theory comes from the outbreak of obviously the Second World War where taking one for the road talked about pretty much how you always had to be alert pretty much no matter where you were. So everything you were drinking or consuming was one for the road because you had to be constantly moving or the enemy would find your location. And then kind of continuing that thought was how many travelers back in the day that were trying to find either like new land going west in like, you know, early American times. They didn't have many times to actually stop and rest. So majority of the time they were eating for the road so they were taking one for the road as they were trying to still gain some ground while they had daylight and just wanted to eat while still on the road so many different ways that you could take that and it just kind of stuck so if you do take one for the road just be cautious that's all don't drink. tell us your favorite one for the road best one for the road i was talking to the audience but you as well that too i don't know we used to do this thing called road beers back in the day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not while driving not passenger while driving yes road beer passenger road beers but a good road beer still illegal just less illegal yeah a little less illegal that's another thing ah uh, that's a different episode you guys might get an express episode where i'm a little angry about something like <laughs> like every episode passengers should be able to drink right like just because there's open container in the car i understand that people are like well if there's open containers the driver could be driving but come on you could test them and if they fell short of the like legal drinking limit that's golden right i mean if there's an open container in the car should it be as big of a deal question i'm genuinely asking find out on the next episode of (laughs) what's going on the podcast that makes you wonder about about things things you've never never wondered about about. (laughs) good times we enjoyed that do you have any more phrases I'm still searching for the happy camper. Oh. Similar to happy as a clam. I like but that. I am struggling with happy camper. Just a lot of people saying that camping sucks. There's actually, oh, wow. Camping's awesome. I don't know what, what they're talking about. I know. There's actually a little tiny LLC called the happy camper that's downtown Denver, and they sell cute little stickers and merch. I actually really liked that store. Oh. It was very adorable. Take a look. Google it. My next thing I'm going to be talking about and researching, I haven't looked it up, is sleep tight. Why do we tell everyone to sleep tight? And what the hell does that mean? And why is it usually followed by don't let the bed bugs play? Oh, wow. I only said it with half a phrase, half a slogan. You came in there. There are a lot of bed don't bugs. Don't worry, I got your back. Thank you. I don't know. Are you a bug? Are you going to bite me while I sleep tightly? Are bed bugs dust mites or are they lice? Oh, God. Don't say lice. Lice are gross. I know. Uh, I'm going to say dust mites. Okay. What? <laughs> okay. The actual sleep tight back in the day was actually in reference to the ropes that were attached to beds because that's what you would sleep on. Ropes were pretty much wrapped around wooden beams 
and would be pulled tightly to make a nice flat surface that you would sleep on. And the oh. tighter the rope, the more comfortable to sleep, because as you can imagine, slack rope would kind of be like <laughs> lumpy and not that great. <laughs> and this article You don't want a slack line all night? No, no. This article said that it was a common practice that when your house guests had overstayed their welcome, you would loosen the ropes in hopes that they would vacate your home. <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's so funny. There's proof of the phrase that was first used in 1866 by Susan Bradford Epps in her diary through some eventful years. I don't know if that's a famous diary, but must be. So I guess I should probably fix what I stated. The ropes you weren't actually sleeping on, but the mattresses were set on top of. I, for some reason, was thinking they were sleeping on top of rope, which didn't seem that comfortable to me, but I was like, maybe if it's pulled tight enough, it would have been nice and flat. But the mattress that was on it. So if it was still slack and lumpy, it would be kind of uncomfortable, I can imagine. But mattresses, a good question as to when the heck we started using them. A mattress back in the day was first used by stuffing it with straw, shredded corn husk, or feathers. All of these materials attracted bed bugs. And over time, a lot of these mattresses would get infested with bed bugs. And so it became common phrase to say, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite in hopes that the oh, ropes that were holding the mattresses were still tight and that the mattresses had yet to be infested by these insects so you would sleep well without getting bit. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, I like that. I hope your bed's not infested right now. <laughs> if it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's the only bed we got, so sleep well. Have you found what you're looking for in your phrase? No, this is... It's hurting. Uh, it seems hard. like... It's elusive, but it seems like it's more often used as they are not a happy camper. Oh. And. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard that. Not a happy camper. I've heard that 100% yeah, more yeah. than happy camper. Yeah. And I guess happy camper was used originally in 1913 facetiously because it was describing a fictional account of two castaways stranded on an island, and they were describing them as a pair of happy campers on a hard-earned vacation rather than people stranded on an island. <laughs> and then apparently around the 1970s and 80s, it started getting used more often as I am not a happy camper. And that started in 1978 in the dialogue of a romance novel, Sweet Twibby Mac. Sweet Twibby Mac. I like that. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. And basically, the dialogue was, call, but you can't fight union regulations. Still, their boss needs to know I am not a happy camper. Right, so take care of the call, then grab your clubs. So, just expressing distaste, and then it started getting more popular with more suburban people sending their kids to camps for the summer, but being more city kids, they were not very happy to be away from the city into nature, so they were not happy campers. <laughs> Boom. That was the last of them I had. Did you have any more you could yeah, pull I could, on I could out? Yeah, I share. I'm currently looking one up. I'm trying to read a little bit more about it. Some other ones. Oh, didn't we say one during the beginning? Yeah. And I totally didn't write it down. Dicking around? <laughs> I don't think that's what we said, <laughs> but okay. That's one that I wrote. Yeah. Or uh, Cat Got Your Tongue. Okay. Both are, I I'm interested about dicking around, honestly. Did you want to look that up? No. You can look that up if you're interested. I'm currently okay. trying to read something and having my balls blown off while reading about it, so. 
One oh, second. Geez. One second. We're, we're about to have a, a community ball blow. All right. So the phrase that I was talking about, which is blowing my balls, was spill the beans. And this expression comes from the voting system used in ancient Greece, where white beans and black beans, the white beans being positive votes, meaning yes, and black beans being negative votes, meaning no, pretty much any sort of vote that was done for like legal purposes or contracts, other things like that, needed to be unanimous. So if the collector spilled the beans... So, like, accidentally dropped the jar at which the beans were being carried, and a black bean was seen. It means that the vote was halted, or that they needed to do a recount, which means that the election results would be known prematurely or needed to be redone. That's pretty interesting. But that was one of the earliest cases in the 20th century. Spill was an earlier influence from back in the day, spill meant kill. Which, instead of meaning spill the beans, a lot of people said spoil the beans, kill the beans, or weirdly upset the apple cart. (laughs) Other ways to say the exact same phrase. But something that I was geeking out about was the first use of this phrase actually came from the city I went to college. Uh, The first example was from the Stevens Point Journal in June 1908 where a congressman was upset with some of the other individuals about having to wait for voting, and he walked off the reservation, taking a decent amount of Republicans with him, and they used the term enough to spill the beans, which means that they lost the vote, pretty much, simply because he walked off. So I thought that was pretty crazy that we're just Googling random little phrases, and shout out to the town I went to college. Spill the beans. Wow, I never knew. Don't spill the beans. I'm trying not to. Well, we're trying to spill all the beans, honestly. We're trying to find the beans and spill oh, them for that you That is guys. what we're about here. We're literally about spilling beans right now. It's an hour long. We're trying to find that one black bean there. there we it know is. it's there. Yeah, there's a black bean. We've had a couple of black beans. Maybe they're just brown, but. <laughs> Which one did you look up? I'm looking up dicking around, <laughs> but it seems like there's not a one source. It seems to just come from dickering. But no one came up with any sort of long story about it. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Dickering is to argue with something, especially about the price of goods, and (laughs) someone suggested that that might be the origin of it, since it was a common word back then, and might have gotten shortened to dicking around, but no one really knows where that came from. Strange. So if you're a good barterer, you're a good dicker. (laughs) Oh, I guess it was families would dicker around about the terms of weddings and that instead they would want one to hurry up and decide on the dowry or the price of the bride. And so they want you to stop dickering around or dicking around. (laughs) That's awesome. We got there eventually. Boom. We got there. We were just dicking around. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this one's pretty interesting. I'll throw you another bone. I think the last one I have is break the ice. I don't know if we talked about that in the the first one, but that's the last one I had written down. I don't think we did. The last one that I have was swear like a sailor. And that's one that I heard quite a bit growing up because your boy used to swear like a sailor back when I first discovered curse words. But there's kind of a deep history with this. 
So the crude language from sailors was described as salty, which was kind of a dirty word to use from a religious preacher, Cotton Mather, who wrote it in a 1699 sermon saying that basically all sailors were of notorious and I don't even know how to describe what he's saying. Just basically bad people. And, and not that great. But the reason why sailors cursed so much was because during the time from the late 17th to the 19th century, there was no other profession that was more dangerous or technically demanding as being a crew member on a large sailing vessel. So pretty much out of an entire sailing crew, uh, you all had to work as a coordinated team. And the weakest link is what could basically you know, gravely injure or kill a member. So you had to all make sure that you guys were basically a brotherhood of sailors and not only the technical skills was something that you needed to know but pretty much how to speak like one and fit in as one because if you weren't a tight unit then death's gonna happen pretty much because you wouldn't (laughs) trust your right hand man so swearing like a sailor became a pretty identifiable mark and way of making sure that you were part of the group so (laughs) all curse words pretty much really started exploding inside of a sailing crew So they would basically bond as brothers. And some of the swear words that we know nowadays actually had some very, very dark meanings. Like the word damn was apparently a very serious swear word and was registered as one of the worst words in the English language for quite a Mm. while. I wonder if that's because of a religious sense. Yep. Usually because of religious aspects as it was generally paired with taking the Lord's name right in front of it. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. Got him. Damn. (laughs) Don't you dare say that. Oh, no. Or it meant that you were putting yourself on the same level as God by damning everything else below you. (laughs) Got him. So sailors would throw around the word damn, which kind of made them in poor favor of religious individuals. And, of course, F-bombs were obviously thrown around there, but that was nothing close to the word bitch. Apparently, bitch was the worst word back in the day, especially for a mother. If you called an individual's mom the B word, you were pretty much asking for a fight to almost the death back in the day because it was worse than the word whore, which a whore at least had sex with men for money, but a bitch would have such animalistic desires that she couldn't help but throw herself at every single man so (laughs) yeah that was one that was a pretty prevalent well not prevalent but became more and more used as we go throughout history which son of a bitch was one of the phrases we did in the first one which also tied i believe to sailors as well right son of a gun son of a oh damn well son of a gun became son of a bitch i believe right yeah yeah exactly which is another example of where they didn't use the B word until later. They had other <laughs> words for it. So sailors started cursing with gusto as it became part of their culture. And cursing like a sailor became something that we still use today. Bada bing, bada boom. Can't believe you're using such foul language on the pod. I know. I'm sorry. It's for <laughs> educational purposes. So, Well, here I'm going to talk about the origin of the word dick. Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw this when I was reading about dicking around. Beautiful. So I've always wondered why Richard always gets shortened to dick. <laughs> to me, it really doesn't make any sort of sense. Yeah. 
And I guess the dictionary notes that a generic, familiar pet form of a common Christian name is Richard, such as how people also used to say Jack to mean fellow, lad, or man. And so from there, it just kind of became a different way of saying man got shortened there, and you get Dick and Richard. I don't know why it didn't work for Jack as well, but... yeah. Strange. But then, starting to the earliest reference of actually calling someone a dick, meaning someone who acts contemptible or in bad ways, started in 1966 in the novel Seventh Avenue, and it was, he's a dick. I know from respect, except for my parents, which I don't exactly get what that means, but it was the first instance of someone calling someone else a dick. Boom. Don't be a dick. Boom. Boom. So now you know, back in 1966. Shout out to all Richards out there. Shout out to all dicks. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I think that wraps up phrases, sayings, and jingles, part two. Part one for the jingles. If we didn't get a phrase you want to hear about or a saying, or even a jingle that you want to hear us sing, you know what to do. And as always. Send it in. Send it in. Send in your own phrase, maybe your own song. What's going on? Make up a phrase yeah, it, and write whoa. an article about it on the internet whoa. so we can find it. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> You're going and deep. then we can get it started here. You're going deep in there. <laughs> we hope you guys had a great time. And thank you for listening. Are we done yet? Oh, we are. All right. Thanks for listening to What's Going On. If you have any questions that you want partially answered, write them in to what's going on the pod at gmail.com. No spaces, no apostrophes, no excuses. One more time, that's what's going on the pod at gmail.com. And we hope to hear from you soon. Please rate and subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Thank you.